Good morning, Home Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, I'll begin a brand new series this next three weeks called Common to Man. In case you haven't noticed, our enemy, the devil, is trying to destroy us. He's trying to destroy us. And I really felt led that as we begin this year, 2023, and we're now, can you believe, almost in the month of May? Wow, the year's going by really fast. I really believe that God is trying to give me things to equip you to follow Jesus successfully and to be empowered to do that. And what I talked about at the beginning of the year was the fact that we needed to stretch our faith. That Paul said that we need to stretch forward to what lies ahead, but we also need to forget what lies behind us. And there are things in our life, whether it's in our past or last year in 2022, or maybe even just last week or even yesterday, that we really need to learn how to leave in the past and to keep moving forward. Because I talked about how the devil wants to keep us locked up, to be in a corner and not come out. And that's why I believe after that series that I did at the beginning of the year, God gave me the word to keep moving. And I shared with you about how we need to keep moving in our walk with Jesus, right? We need to keep going forward and not being held back by our past. And so we took some things out of the book of John that Jesus has said, and we really started to meditate on those things. And if you remember what I said at the end of that series was Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but one day it will be made clear to you. And so that's faith, right? We need to walk through our life and following Jesus by faith, even when we don't understand it. And then I took you on a series about the upper room. Now, there was three things that God revealed to us through the upper room. And one of those things was, once we received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and, and Jesus explained this during the Last Supper, we now become one with him, one with God, one with the Holy Spirit. There is oneness in God. And then we learned about how we need to understand that as we're moving forward on our walk with Jesus, that we need to do so in the fullness of God. And that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That not just the Holy Spirit living inside of us to seal us for salvation, but that the Holy Spirit comes upon us to give us the power to keep moving forward in our walk with Jesus. And so as we enter into the end of April, and we're going to be going into May here soon, and I know it's a busy time of year for a lot of us. I know it is for my family as my baby in my family is going to graduate high school. Uh, so there's a lot going on. I really feel like God wants to equip us with how to fight something called temptation. Temptation. Temptation is something that I believe every one of us in here deals with. And this is what the Bible says. And if you're taking notes, I want you to take down this, this verse because this is the verse that we're going to camp out in for the next three weeks. This verse about temptation that Paul writes to the church in Corinth is probably one of the most important verses that if you're dealing with temptation today, which I believe all of us are and all of us will, then it's the most important verse to really meditate on and get to know. So write 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 in your notes. And this is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be, be able to endure it. And that's awesome, right? God is faithful. He's going to give us the way out so that we can endure this thing called temptation. 
And this is what Jesus said about temptation. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, he says this, Woe to the world, (laughs) woe to the world, for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. He is saying that temptation is a woe. And what is a woe? Woe is a struggle. Woe is affliction. And he said, woe to the world, which means hello all of us that are living in this world. Every human being since Adam and Eve, here comes the woe. And what is that woe? Temptation to sin. Temptation to sin, those three words should give you the, the origin of where sin and where temptation comes from. That is the devil. That is our enemy. He wants us to be tempted to sin. And why does he want that? Well, the word for temptation in the Hebrew is called nacha. That is to test, to try, and to prove. When t- temptation to sin comes into our life, the devil's trying to test your stand for Jesus. He wants to see if you're going to bite, and he wants you ultimately to fall. That's what he wants you to do. And that's how he destroys you. And it's not necessarily destroying you per se, although that does happen. But I believe what ultimately the devil's aim is once you're saved is to destroy your witness. And that's why you have people now that don't go to church. Man, some of you I know have friends and family and grandkids that probably don't want to come to church. Why? Because we're a bunch of hypocrites. And we're tempted and then we sin and people see that. And as that is repeated over and over again and becomes public, then you see even some of the most famous pastors, the celebrity pastors, fall. And people look at that and say, oh, they sin, so I don't ever want to go to church. And I don't want to follow Jesus. The devil wants to destroy our witness. And so he's going to bring temptation. And Jesus said, it is necessary that temptations come. Why is it necessary? It's necessary because he was tempted in every way. And if Jesus was tempted in every way, yet not sin, then how much more as followers of Jesus are we going to be tempted as well? It's necessary. It's necessary to test our faith, to test our resolve to follow him, to test our resolve to keep moving, to test our resolve to have victory in the stretch, to test our resolve to be one with God, to test our resolve to walk in the fullness of God, we're going to be tested. And I want to just differentiate something here real quick. A temptation is a whole lot different than trial. God will bring trials into your life. He will allow trials to come into your life. He will. And the difference between God and the devil, and I know there's a lot of difference there, but In this particular topic, the difference is that God allows trials to come into our life to build godly character, to strengthen us. And I'll give some examples of that here in a minute. But the devil's aim with temptation is for us to sin, to destroy us, completely opposite, completely opposite of what God does. So what does this mean? This means that we need to know how to stand against temptation. Because it is going to come, and that's really the focus over the next three weeks for me and for you. And I've learned a lot from this series, believe it or not. There's a lot that I've picked off from this series that I'm going to teach to you. 
And I'm learning and I'm walking through this with you. But I believe, I honestly believe that we can live a life free of sin. And I know I've spoken a lot about acceptance and accepting people here and knowing that we're all sinners. We shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't condemn them. And I think maybe that comes across as being too soft on sin. And listen, I am not, and God is not soft on sin. What he wants you to do is to come into a loving relationship with him through Jesus. And then he wants to empower you so that sin does not trip you up and cause you to fall. So that you're not destroyed, but also your witness of him is not destroyed. And that's really what I want to focus on over the next three weeks. So with that, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here today. Your word says... The temptation to sin is going to come, and it's necessary. And so we just thank you, Father, that all of us as followers of Jesus, those of us that are in Christ today, that as we're moving forward to follow him with everything we have, to stretch our faith, to know what it is to be one with you, to know what it is to walk in the fullness of you, that we're asking today that you give us the power through the Holy Spirit to make a stand. Help us to learn from your word what to do when temptation comes, and then help us apply it once we leave this building. And Father, I just thank you that there will be open hearts to receive this morning what it is you're going to say through me. Let the words of my mouth be what you want me to say this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what I often find is that temptation tends to come to sin when you're at the height. When you're at the height of life. When everything is going great when your walk with Jesus is so close, when you're obeying and following the call that he has for your life. And sometimes what happens is when you're on that high, if you will, then what tends to enter into your life is a little bit of pride. Can I get an amen? You start to feel like you've got a handle on this thing called life and you subconsciously start to drift from being close to Jesus. It's just human nature. That's why being a disciple of Jesus is a discipline. We have to discipline ourselves, hence the word disciple, to follow him. And we have to have these things in our, not just in our mind and our heart, but in the spirit that's in us that will trigger the warning that says, hey, you're drifting. So I'm going to give you kind of a story of where I really felt like I was at the height of my life and see how God will allow things to happen to kind of get you back into that mode of, whoa, whoa, I need you. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this thing called life without you. And it's one day when I was in the military, I realized that I looked at my driver's license from Virginia, and I'm stationed in Texas. My driver's license was expired by a couple of years. And the job that I had at the time I, I was an aide to a general at the time, and sometimes I'd have to drive him until we finally got somebody that could drive him around and I could be there by his side just to help him with his work. But I realized this is not a good thing. Like, I need to get my license renewed. And I remember telling him about it, and he said, hey, Lieutenant, you better go get your license renewed as soon as possible. And so I remember taking time off work to go get my driver's license renewed, and I was in my uniform, and take it, listen, I was very much prideful, overconfident about this. 
No problem, right? I'm going to walk in there. I'm in my uniform. Just by nature of the fact I'm in my uniform, that driver's examiner is going to pass me. Like, I got this thing in the bag. And I remember getting in a car, my car, that I drove there with an expired driver's license and drove this lady around. And we finished the test, and I parked it. And she looked at me and said, you failed. Signed the paperwork, handed it to me, and left. And I'm sitting in the car like, what? And I remember looking at, at that thing, and it said, because I went two miles an hour over the speed limit in a school zone. She failed me. So there I am sitting in the car. I didn't know what to do. Like, I'm going to drive out of the parking lot of this place. They know I have an expired license. And I got to go back, and I got to tell my boss, the general, that I failed a basic driver's test. And I remember walking in the office at the end of the day to give him an update, and I had to tell him. And he just laughed. He laughed at me and said, well, it looks like I'm going to go back and do it again. I was humbled. I was so humbled. And I remember going back, and of course, I passed the test. There is something about humility. There is something about realizing you can't do it all on your own. There is something that comes with this thing called, I am not as good as I think I am. And having to rely on God and not on you to get through this thing called life. And I think that's the way that we are sometimes. We're overconfident in our walk with Jesus. Things are going great, man. No health problems, you know. Life is good. Marriage is good. You know, you get overconfident. You and Jesus are, are talking and you're listening and you're getting things from him, getting revelation from him, you get revelation in the word. You feel filled with the Holy Spirit. You're laying hands on people. People are getting healed. You know, there's just all this overconfidence and all of a sudden you're humbled. And the devil comes at you with the aim to destroy you. So temptation is definitely a test. The best example is in Genesis chapter 3. I actually read this a few weeks ago during my series in, called The Upper Room. And this is where Adam and Eve were tested by the devil. Genesis chapter 3, if you want to turn there, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The devil's crafty. He knows where your weakness is. And he's going to hit you with the temptation. Here comes the temptation. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes shall be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So there's the temptation right there. What is it? The temptation is a push and a pull that leads you into sin. It's a push and a pull that leads you into sin. It happens simultaneously, this push and this pull. 
We just saw here where Eve was asked by the devil, did God really say? There's the push. That push is to doubt God. That's the push. So that temptation starts in you to doubt God. And then what the devil said to her is, you can be like God. And so that pull is to pull you into being like God. How is that? How is that possible? Every time we sin, we doubt God and we try to be like him. Let me say that again. Every time we sin, we doubt God and we believe we can be like him. And that's where that temptation, that test comes. To doubt God means I don't have peace in my life right now. And I doubt that God can provide me with that peace. So now I'm going to turn and I'm going to go to something that I feel like can replace God. I'm going to make the decision and take control of my life. And now I'm going to turn to alcohol to replace God. You take alcohol, you get drunk, and that becomes a cycle in your life. Now you're in this sin and now you have fallen. Or I don't believe God's ever going to meet my needs when it comes to my relationships. Like I'm never going to get a wife or a husband. I doubt he's going to do that. So now I'm being pulled to be like him. I'm taking control of my life. And now I'm going to enter into pornography. Do you see what I'm saying here? Or I doubt that God can fix my marriage. I doubt he can do that. So I'm going to turn away from him and I'm being pulled towards this idea that if I find somebody else, that if I commit adultery, I'm going to take control of my life and I'm going to have a relationship with somebody outside my marriage. That's the temptation, the push and the pull. Temptation is not sin. Amen. It's not. The thought's going to come. Now what are you going to do with it? The push to doubt God is going to come, but what are you going to do with it? You stand on his word, amen, and I'm getting ahead of myself to next week. The pull to sin, the pull to do something, to take control of your life, to replace that, that thing that you feel, feel like God is not meeting the need of, that pull is going to be strong. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to fall to it and go along with it? It's a battle every day. That temptation comes every day. That push and that pull to doubt God, to take control of your life and be like God. So what did Eve do in verse 6? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so she doubted God that the rest of the food that's provided in the garden could provide for her needs, that it was a delight to her eyes that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. Right at that moment, when she took the fruit and she ate, fall of man happened right there. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, idiot, and he ate. So then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So now they know good and evil. Now they are quote-unquote like God. 
They fell exactly the way that Satan fell. When he was Lucifer, this grand angel in heaven, he doubted God could be anything that he needed. He wanted to be like God, the pride, and he fell. Basically what we're doing when we sin, it's going to sound really harsh, is we're rejecting the lordship of Jesus over our life. That's what's happening. Man, it's great that we're saved, but is he the Lord of your life? Are you giving him control over those areas that you're lacking, the need that you think that you need to have? Are you giving him control over that? Are you doubting he can provide for you? So now you're turning to something else to replace him. Ultimately, that's what it is. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is where we're going to be over the next couple of weeks. I want to set this up for you because Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Like he wants to warn them about this thing called temptation. And sometimes the best way to do that is to look in the past, right? For all of you in here that are history buffs, right? The reason why the world repeats these things called world wars is because we or fail to look back in the past and learn from our past, and we allow it to happen again, and we allow it to happen again. History does repeat itself. And so Paul is informing the church at Corinth about the history of the Israelites and basically saying, these are the people that you do not want to be like. He says in verse 1, for I do not want you to be unaware. See, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And I don't want you to be unaware of what God is trying to tell you today. So Paul is saying the same thing to the church at Corinth. He says, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That's the Red Sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse 3. And all ate the same spiritual food and all, all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. In other words, the children of Israel were delivered out of slavery from Egypt, brought across the Red Sea on dry land, entered into the wilderness, were fed from heaven, manna, were given water from tapping of a rock by Moses, knew God, he was there with them, pillar of fire at night, column of smoke by day. He was there. They were essentially chilling with Jesus, man. They were chilling with God. But this is what they did. Paul says, nevertheless, and I hate that word in the Bible <laughs> sometimes. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us. If it was an example for the Corinth church, it was an example now for us as we read this 2,000 years later. That we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drank and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has 
come. These people that Paul is referring to are just like us. They were tempted because they doubted God could provide for them in the wilderness. And they ended up taking control and replacing God with all these things. They were evildoers. They were idolaters. They were sexually immoral. They were grumblers. They tested God. The devil found the crack in their armor. And there rose up the golden calf. Ultimate symbol of replacing God with something else. Ultimately, that is sin. And we cannot be tempted to do that and fall into that. So Paul gives us a warning. After he explains this is who you don't want to be, you don't want this to be your life, you don't want to be an idolater, every one of us, how are we idolaters? Well, just pick up your phone and go on social media. How many people idolize people that are on social media. You don't want to be sexually immoral. Every one of us in this room has been sexually immoral at some point or another. Every time you lust at a woman, men, sexually immoral. Every time you open a pornography site, sexually immoral. There are things that are done in secret that are also sexually immoral. These things do come to us, these temptations to do these things. How many of us in here grumble, right? When we don't have things go our way and we pray and pray and pray and God doesn't do it our way, how many of us complain and grumble, right? These are things that happen to everybody. These tests, these temptations. It's like the devil since Adam and Eve has been on repeat with all these things. They happen to everybody. The question is, are you going to be like these Israelites and replace God in sin? So here's the warning that Paul gives in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So if you think you got this thing figured out and you're following Jesus and you're a stud or a studette, you think you're standing, take heed lest you fall because the pride comes before the fall. And I've said this before, the enemy, our, the devil, our enemy, has looked at human history throughout the generations and knows the cracks in everybody's armor. Like men, if you look to your left and your right, and you find another male sitting next to you, look behind you, look in front of you, they're going through the same temptations you are. It may not be exactly the same, but the root and the nature of it is the same. Women, same thing. Look at the women around you. They're going through the same stuff you are. The devil wants to make you think and blind you to the fact that no one is going through what you're going through right now. No one is being tempted like you right now. Nobody is sinning like you right now. Wow. That is a lie. 
that goes back to him trying to isolate you and thinking that you're all alone in your struggle. If you think you're standing, take heed lest you fall. Verse 13. This is the passage that I open up with this morning and will be the one that we're going to break down over the next three weeks. But I want to go ahead and go into verse 13 and just break down the first phrase. This is how we stand, lest we fall. He said, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. No temptation. What he's saying here is temptation exists. It's out there. You feel it. You know it. It's always there. Every day you wake up, the temptation that's designed especially for you, it exists. He says it has not overtaken you. That is not common to man. What that means is that you may not have experienced temptation in a way where it overtakes you, but one day it will. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So guess what? That means that at some point in our lives, and we still sin even after being a believer, that temptation has and will overtake you. And as he says here, that is not common to man. What that means is that temptation is common. It's prevalent. It's ready and available to all of us, male and female. It's common. You can expect it to happen. The good news, though, is that God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, and that is next week, and I'm going to get into that a lot next week. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Common to man, and that's the name of my series, and it comes out of not just this verse, but Ecclesiastes chapter 1 Verse 9, Solomon writes this. He says, there is nothing new under the sun. I guarantee you, and, and this came out, and I think this is a great thing that we did back when we did the encounter conference in February. We had the breakouts for both men and women. And during these breakouts, we talked about the things that are barriers between us and God and our relationship. And it was very refreshing to hear how the men, when they opened up, were explaining some of the things that they were struggling with. And then you realized, wait a minute now, I struggle with that too. It's like this epiphany moment that yet there's nothing new under the sun, that it's common to man, that we're all going through it, that we're all experiencing it. The thing is, is that nobody says anything about it Therefore, it never gets resolved. And that's part of the way that God provides a way out. So we have each other. That all of us that are going through these same temptations, there's somebody in this group and in this church that has successfully, through God's help, overcome those temptations, and now it does not turn into sin. So if we can talk to each other and help support each other, then this thing, temptation that is common to man, that gives the things out that are nothing new under the sun that causes us to sin, then we can overcome 
together. And that's great when we're together, but how do you do so when you're by yourself? And we're never alone. Jesus is always with us. But we still have to stand on our own and depend upon his power and his guidance through the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome the temptation. It's that push and that pull. It's always going to be there. And you would say, well, I don't doubt God. I'm never going to doubt God. You know, me and Jesus are close. You know, we're homies, man. We're close. We're tight. But there's going to be something that's going to come into your life, a temptation the devil is going to bring that is going to cause you to wonder, is God there? And how many of us have ever asked that in our walk with Jesus? God, are you there? Do you hear me? Do you see what I'm going through? There was a time in my life, outside of the example that I gave about me being in the military and my driver's license, when I left the army, I went into pharmaceutical sales, and I, I had this confidence about me, man. I was, I, I, have, I felt so close to Jesus. Like, during my travels, and I would travel all over the country, man, I'd run people on airplanes, I'd run into people out on the road, and I'd be leading people to Jesus left and right. And like my confidence was so high. And then one day I got fired. And all of a sudden my confidence went the pride before the fall. And so this trial, you know, God allowed me to go through this trial. And my unemployment lasted at that. That was the first time I got employed for six months. And believe me, I was stressed as you can believe. But God's grace is awesome, and I got a job. And then I was with that company for about 18 months, and I got laid off again. But I learned. So trials are going to come, but they're going to help build that godly character. But also, when we're prideful, the devil's going to test you too. And here comes that temptation to sin. So how do we resist the push and the pull? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 is where I want you to look now. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Paul writes this, Since we then have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that's Jesus. He says, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is that confession? That he is Lord, amen? That is our confession. He is my Lord and my Savior. That is my confession. Let us hold fast to that. In other words, don't fall to the temptation, don't doubt him, and don't sin. Hold fast to our confession. It's not just the things we say in our mouth or even what we believe in our heart, but it's how we live our life. Verse 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Man, there's something between we are and yet without sin. There's that comma there. Like, I want to know what that comma represents between we are, yet was without sin. What is that that he had that is also available to us that when we're tempted, we can be without sin? The Holy Spirit being filled. What we talked about last Sunday, what happened on Pentecost, being filled with the Holy Spirit that empowers us not just to be witnesses of those around us, but also to ourselves. 
Because let me tell you something. There is nothing more powerful than having that temptation come on you and the Holy Spirit working through you to overcome that temptation. Man, there is nothing. If you want to experience victory, whatever the devil is tempting you with, start praying in tongues, man. Start being refilled. Say no to that. Stand on the word. And watch when that temptation begins to fade and you make the decision not to doubt God and not to replace him with something else, not to sin. There is nothing more powerful than that. You want to experience the power of the resurrection? I believe that is the power of the resurrection. When we can receive that temptation and turn away from it and walk out of it without sinning. And there is nothing that will bring you more close to God than that. Because now, now you are trusting him and now you are experiencing what Jesus experienced. The temptation that comes, yet I am without sin. I'm able to overcome it. That is the goal over the next two weeks. If everybody would please stand. So where is temptation? Temptation is this. If you're taking notes, or just remember this, because I know you guys are all standing. Temptation is a signal. It is like a signal flare that goes up and blows up and lights up the night. A signal to have you fight. It is a call to battle. To fight so that you feel that oneness with God, but also so that you can walk in the fullness of God. It's a fight. And every day I know, I know for a lot of you, I know for me sometimes, it's, it's a fight every day. And when you start to feel that push and that pull, then that should cause you to want to stand, not to fall. Don't get me wrong. There are times when I walk through life and my day is going fine and I'll trip over something. I'll trip over a crack in the sidewalk. Man, that's temptation. See the grace of God, his power. I'm able to stumble a little bit, then I catch myself and I keep on walking. I didn't sin. But then there are times during the day where I'll be walking and I stumble on that crack in the sidewalk and I fall face first on the ground. I mess up and I sin. But God's grace and mercy picks me back up, brushes me off, and I keep moving. Even there is victory. Even there is telling the devil to shut up. Can't stop me. That old Andy Minio song, if those of you who know who that guy is, you can't stop me. It's like that empowerment that God gives us to keep moving. It's like nothing else. So what I'm saying is I recognize that feeling. And you all know what it is when that temptation comes. But what are you going to do with it? In the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that. Everybody's head bowed. Nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, this is the day of your salvation. 
There's not one person in this room that is perfect. I just admit it as your pastor that sometimes I'm tempted and sometimes I fall and I sin. Praise God, he's empowering me. So that happens less and less and less. As I get closer to death, I'm getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's the aim is to never sin again. Every one of us in here has messed up. So if you're making perfection be the reason that you're not accepting Jesus, that's a lie from the devil. He says, come as you are. That's what Jesus is saying is come as you are so that I can fill you, I can save you, I can give you the tools necessary to stop that thing you're doing that you know is wrong. If there's anybody in here this morning that has not accepted Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Let me see your hand this morning and I'll be more than happy and honored to pray for you. Anybody? Paul, I see your hand. Thanks, buddy. Anybody else here this morning? Maybe today what you recognize is you have been tempted and you have fallen and you have fallen way away from Jesus and you realize that. And you heard me say today that God is graceful and merciful towards you. He wants you to get back up again. He wants you to come back to him. That's his nature. And if that's you this morning and you feel like that you have fallen away and there's no way back, I'm telling you today that there is. And it's a simple acknowledgement that Jesus, I just want you back in my life. He's never left you, but you have left him. And that's you this morning. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Then be bold and also raise your hand this morning if that's you. And last but certainly not least, Maybe you're in here this morning and you're hearing about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us to fill us. And the evidence of that is speaking in other tongues. You might have heard somebody around you speak in tongues. And today you'd like to take that next step and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe today you want to take that step and you just want to find out more about him in this whole tongue thing. What is that? If that's you this morning, you want to take that step I'm also asking you to raise your hand. Anybody in here that wants to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Father, I want to thank you for this church. The church being the people that are in this room today. Father, I just thank you that your grace and your mercy is upon them. And Father, I just thank you that whatever affliction, whatever woe, that is temptation that's coming their way, that they're dealing with, Father, that you have given them the way out, that you've given them the power of the Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you that as they leave this place today, they feel more empowered than ever. 
to walk with Jesus. And Father, I thank you. This is a reminder that literally what the Bible says, it's not in our own strength nor our own power, but it's by your spirit that we're able to do anything. Father, we just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen.